Welcome to Event Experience by Bizabo, the podcast where we bring the best and brightest event experience leaders together to share stories, tips, and lessons learned from creating some of the world's biggest events. I'm Chaviva Gordon-Bennett, Senior Editorial Content Manager here at Bizabo. This week on the podcast, we're hosting a conversation about sponsorship strategies for virtual, hybrid, and in-person events with Devin Cleary, Ashley Jenkins, Meg Fassi, and Brent Turner. Devin is the VP of Global Events here at Visibo. Ashley is the events manager at Miro, and Meg is founder of Events Gig and Phase FWD. Their conversation is moderated by Brent, who's the executive vice president of strategy and solutions at Opus Agency. In this episode, Devin, Ashley, Meg, and Brent share actionable tips to help you rethink your sponsorship framework and create value for your event sponsors. They cover everything from data and pricing to trends and new sponsorship opportunities you may not have thought of. So let's jump right in. Here's Devin, Ashley, Meg, and Brent. So I am honored to introduce the moderator of today's panel discussion, Brent Turner. As the head of strategy for Opus, Brent and his team drive event and experiential marketing programs for global brands, enterprise scale worldwide. Prior to joining Opus, Brent was the chief digital officer inside MIT, and he's held executive leadership positions at Ogilvy, Kramer, and Boathouse, and has successfully survived two startup to IPO adventures. Brent, it is amazing to have you today. Thank you so much for the time, and the floor is yours. Thank you, Dev. I am joined by two people who uh, you'll learn to hear much more from and enjoy hearing a lot more from. So we got two people uh, we're going to introduce you to here. You're going to love hearing from them both. Uh, first up is Ashley from Miro. If uh, if you don't know what Miro is, you probably haven't been working collaboratively over there. Is Ashley? If you haven't been working collaboratively over the uh, last two years, um, Miro is a whiteboard. Uh, virtual whiteboard, and they've been through hyper growth, especially over these last two years. And what's of note too, is what I love about Ashley's background is she joined Miro to run events in September of 2020. So she's been in it with them in the throes, running things like their large user conference and more. So we're going to be hearing more from Ashley, both on what it is like to put on events as a brand, but also as she's considering what to sponsor. And number two is our friend Meg Fazy. Now, if you don't know Meg, there's a chance you don't actually work in events. She seems to know absolutely everybody in the space. And what we're going to talk about with Meg's side of things here is uh, where her team, she runs a team called Face Forward, and that team that focuses on partnering with brands on sales and marketing and driving the design of prospectus. Meg, hybrid sponsorship, take it from the top. What's it mean to you? Yeah, that's a good question because it means something different to everyone, right? So I look at hybrid as like kind of almost a made up word because there's to have a hybrid event is really to having two separate events because often you have two separate budgets and the content may be different and you know it's you take you need more staff to run to and you know so it's really hybrid to me is two very different events um but there are hybrid sponsorships and i think we're going to talk about that a little later but it it's interesting to see that the how people different people look at uh, different organizations are looking at hybrid right now. We're going to, so the other piece here, and I missed it in my sort of disjointed setup here, is we're going to go on a story. I'm going to do a storyline for this uh, 
intro, which is, or for this uh, talk track, which let's talk about it from a sponsorship journey here. So um, where Meg was just setting the stage for us, uh, I'm going to come over to you, Ashley, and then we're going to go on this journey that's going to go from strategy, to design, into the sales side. So everybody following along sort of knows how we're going to go through these questions. And then the second is uh, we're going to go back and forth between being a brand and a sponsor. So we're going to look at both sides. So while Meg just set it up, uh, let's now go over to you, Ashley. So as a sponsor, when you are thinking your strategy and you're evaluating hybrid events, where what is what are you finding to be the most valuable for you, especially in that digital side versus that in-person side? Out the gate, strategy, what is most valuable to you as you're considering sponsorship? Sure. Um, I think some of the first things I look at when I'm looking at a hybrid event is um, the format. Um, as Meg was alluding to, um, there's a lot of different ways that you can do a hybrid event. Sometimes the, that takes place at the same time concurrently where there's an in-person event and then the virtual is taking place simultaneously at the same time. I've also seen it proposed where events um, are taking place in person and then the next week they do either a replay or a video recap virtually. Um, exposure for sure. Um, how can I get as many people in front of our company and our product is something that I take um, to heart very well. Even just the event platform, as you know, we've been working on tons of different event platforms. So you know the good ones, you know the bad ones, um, and the ones that can really help you um, showcase your product the most. Um, we really want to make sure that people can try our product and see it. Um, so opportunities to to do a demo be a part of the programming um, is something that's super important for us when we're evaluating um, hybrid events. Yeah, and Ashley, I think you said something really important about the difference of where kind of, where is the focus on an event? Is it, is the focus on an in-person event with a um, smaller, less robust virtual component? Or is it a pretty robust virtual with maybe a small couple hundred people, you know, in person? And the focus isn't based on how many people, because you always, you know, we've, we've seen you almost always get more people in virtual. It's really about where you're putting your content and how, you're, how, how the, the organization is creating the experience. So, you know, I work with a group right now where they have a very robust in-person event and they have a... Um, not so robust. They're, they are just doing it, it as a content depository. You know, so we look at sponsorship, creating sponsorship very differently in, in that scenario, because again, audiences are going to consume that in a very different way. The, we're going to give quick shout outs here for Alan and Wayne in the uh, Ask Speaker tool. So we're already getting some questions coming in just as a, one more housekeeping is, we're going to, I'm going to roll through some more questions for Ashley and Meg, and then we're going to start pulling them. So those of you who've added questions, ooh, we got a few coming in. This is going to be good. So we're going to come to your questions in about 15 minutes um, or maybe even less, but I got to get a few, a few more level set questions here. And we are uh, going to stay or shoot me shift into the design side. So hybrid, right? We, we, you both were dancing into the world of hybrid and Let's now get into the brass tacks of designing the hybrid sponsorship perspectives. And uh, when you're thinking about, you were, we were just asking Ashley, where is the value on her end? And so Meg, when we're thinking about designing these uh, sponsorship perspectives, when you're thinking about how to create unique value, 
how are you thinking of it now in this hybrid world of digital and in-person and how you're designing these prospectus? Yeah. So again, the question is how much are you doing in both? And let's just assume for this conversation that you have a robust in-person and a robust virtual experience. Um, I do three different um, kind of areas in a prospectus when I have when I have this opportunity. So I will have in-person opportunities only. I will create digital opportunities only, and then I'll create hybrid opportunities. Like I would maybe create a um, opportunity where, you know, for a breakout session that's in person, we can bring in the audience where they really are part- able to participate, not just not just view it, but they're really involved. So again, it's the same content, but they're consuming it a little differently. Um, so I like to I, I like to offer all three options. Hmm. And so my next question for you was going to be challenges, but Offering. Oh, there's a lot of challenges. <laughs> yeah, but also, like, I just now I'm going a little off script here. Like, offering three feels complex. Like, it is complex, but it's also complex. it's complex. But it's really what makes sense because when you're talking about again running two in this scenario, we're running two full events at the same time. So why wouldn't we have you know some people only want the in person, some people only want the virtual, like. There are there are or, um, organizations that will only exhibit in person. So how do I how do I offer a hybrid if they're not interested in virtual or the say, other way around? So this way we kind of reach all sponsors and what their needs are, and we help drive that value that way. So now let's dig into that challenges question. So not, uh, beyond the complexity and beyond where we were just going of the the audiences having different expectations what are the what is the what's the hard things you've been bringing these events back to in person yeah so um oh challenges on on hybrid or bringing it back uh, in- well, let's do it both <laughs> Rock challenges like get the, All right. Right, the right opportunity what's getting in your way yeah i think well one is i think to create a um uh to create a really engaging hybrid event can be expensive and not all the time. There are definitely ways to make, you know, bring in, do what you normally do and make it a hybrid event. But to drive some really cool opportunities where you are asking the audience to participate, the virtual audience to participate and the live can be fairly expensive. That's probably the number one challenge I see with hybrid. Yeah. Yeah, the and I want to use that the the expensive line and then the also the designing perspectives. And we're Ashley, come back to you on the on designing these activations. Um, so I'm curious, just as you're looking at uh, these programs and you're looking at what's being offered, a you have all those same challenges. But if we sort of go to the more fun side, like the question is, what's what is uh what's new? What's outside the box? What are what are the things that you want to say to somebody like a Meg? Not even while you're designing it for your own event, right? Too, right. When you're thinking of activating at other events as a brand, what are things you want to push on? What are things you want to see coming into these hybrid sponsorships? Yeah, so it's interesting. Everybody wants the new and shiny new product, right? And I'll tell you, there are a few things, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But but I think what's kind of more interesting or, or more needed to talk about is what's new today. So what are we doing today that we weren't doing six months ago and six months before that and six months before that? And how it, the hybrid experience has, has 
is basically a roller coaster. And the like number one variable you need to know when you're creating sponsorships, utilizing digital or, or a hybrid event is you have to know where we are in the world. So, <clears throat> excuse me, for instance, when we went, when we had went all digital in the beginning of this pandemic, everybody was jumping on happy hours left and right, right? I mean, I was on a happy hour every single night. And then, you know, we're two, three, because we needed to connect, right? And then we're two, three months in and I'm like, no, done. <laughs> I'm going to turn my computer off. And then we start that we, so, and then we, I couldn't sell it at happy hour. And then in the fall, we went back. So you have to really look at where we are in, in our environment right now. That's more important than it's ever been, actually. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if we've ever taken that into account in sponsorship sales and creating sponsorships before now. And so that's like the number one. And then um, I forgot the other part of that question. <laughs> I, got, I got caught up in that. <laughs> that's a good point. The, 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 as the trends of the day can sit like from spot. Oh, right. The, the, the new shiny penny. Yeah. Um, so I think the new shiny penny is really interesting, but super expensive. And I've only seen it once and, and I have to explain it to you. So it's, um, you have a, um, this is just one idea, right? But it's so out there. I, I love to share it. Um, so you have an in-person event and I am walking down the hallway in Mandalay Bay and I get a little, um, ping on my phone and it says Brent or Ashley is 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 uh standing next to you wants to say hi so the virtual audience can connect with you right as you were in the middle of the conference you know it's really it's an interesting technology um i think we're a little bit further away from that because it's uh it's fairly expensive but that's that's kind of the new the new ideas how do we connect them how do we connect the virtual audience with the in-person is always the challenge. And so we're doing things like um, creating a, um, like a broadcast theater or a session on the show floor where we will have a big screen for audience, like the audience, the digital audience will be almost sitting with the, with the uh, in-person audience and the questions can be asked and they're really very much part of that content. Um, it's a little harder to do in the, in the exhibit, virtual exhibit world. Um, but it's more about how to, how to connect people on the show floor with content and then also engagement. So there's, you know, the old happy hours and whatever, but the happy hours are looking a little different now. They're smaller and they, um, have more intent. So there's more subjects around them, not just have a happy hour. Um, the mocktails are coming back. <laughs> So, yeah, so I think that, uh, you know, people want to engage and they want content and lead. Any, kind of, any kind of drinks, mocktail, cocktail. Would be right, great. right, right. Fantastic thing. Yeah. Ashley, let's, let's flip to your side. Like, what are you, what's, and we can stay in the out of box. Let's stay in the fun. Stay in the fun. Like, what no, is, of course. Yeah, go. So as you can imagine, with hybrid events, there's going to be tens of thousands of people connecting with you from their homes, from their offices, from their cities and aren't necessarily able to travel to the in-person event or even feel comfortable traveling. So I've seen a lot of uh, companies host uh, watch parties in different um, locations. And I think a creative way that you can think out of the box for events that have this kind of component 
is to think about what your sponsorship presence is in in those cities. Do you have localized field agents to to go and attend those watch parties to show your brand, to bring swag, to to live in that ecosystem of of people who are in that city? I think that's a really um, creative idea that you can make sure that you're not just focusing on the in-person event, but you're focusing kind of on the web of other kind of events that are happening in the hybrid um, capacity. Another thing that I think is super important is, is even with the online presence, sometimes you're really confined to the structure of the event platform, the structure of the event. Um, maybe there's not as much time as you would like to drive traffic to your booth. Um, so think about what the offerings are from the perspectives. And if there's a push notification or if there's a rotating banner, how can you promote something that's taking place either after the hours of the actual programming? So maybe you could do a virtual event taking place afterwards or even you're promoting a smaller VIP event maybe a week after that to some really high key um, customers. So just think of it like full story in the circle and don't think of it as the event is just the event. You can do a lot of stuff outside of it, but activate through um, the platform and the prospectus. Yeah, that's a good point. The pre and post, actually, that's a great point because it extends the sponsorship opportunities. And even if you are doing, have some sort of sponsorship at the event, to add a pre or post, or depending on the, on the, um, the conference or organization, you may want to do something throughout the year that ties together with that. But we have done more pre and post opportunities in the last two years than I did in the you know last 10. I, I'm supposed to moderate and I'll talk, but one thing as you guys are talking just that keeps, which has really become crystallized for us for the last two weeks in newer sponsorship in these hybrid spaces is it is complex. It is hard. All the things that you both have reflected on is starting to be very clear from the what to the why. Like we are very good as an as a as event professionals to create boxes and then to label the things in the boxes and then tell the sponsorship team, here's the boxes, here's the labels, go sell those things. Very product mindset, which is great. But the because uh, it's worked beautifully as an industry. The twist is to the why or to the to the type of engagement. So very simple. Like do we look at the types of things we can do for the audience and put them into say three boxes like learn, connect, and celebrate. And you start to build a, a perspective where you're saying, all right, brands, these are where you're going to impact our attendees, be our partner in helping our attendees learn. Here, brands, these sponsorship, this part of your package, this part of your sponsorship is how you're going to help connect. Meg, your idea um, on the out of the box of connecting people when you get the ping in the Mandalay Bay example. And then the celebrate, there is still a time, the mocktails, the cocktails, the, the, the remote viewing parties that actually you were exploring, like, there's still a time just to be happy to be together and there are and sponsors, brands who are offering it and brands who are buying the sponsors in that celebrate box. It's still a, still an opportunity to make human connection to be part of up leveling that experience. So the learn, connect, celebrate, it's always been in our language, but I feel like that Christmas, at least for us in the last two weeks, we've gotten really tight on providing value and designing for value around areas like that. Now I'm going, to go, I'm going to go back to moderating and shut up. All right. Yeah. So. You know, Brent, that's a great point. Like I look at content, engagement, and lead gen as the three areas that people really want right now. You know, and, and I try and, and uh, you know, build sponsorship opportunities uh, around those ideas. However, always with the lens of 
what experience is this for the attendee? Right. All right. We got nine questions coming in and I have one more question for both of you as we go to the last part of the journey. So we've done strategy, we've done design, let's talk sales. Uh, and then, and then while you're talking sales, I'm going to be staring at these questions and we're going to start diving into these questions. Um, uh, I love that we have nine and I want to make sure we have time. So, um, in the sales bucket, um, the, the, this trend toward hybrid, uh, we're going to start Meg with you and then we'll go to, go to Ashley as she's, she's looking at the buyer side, you, you Meg on the seller side. Um, Meg, what is, what is impacting sales right now? Tell the story on you're, you're right now you're out there trying to sell some hybrid events. What are you seeing? What are the trends, et cetera? So um, I, I'm going to start with the trends because they're way more fun. <laughs> I'm seeing a trend of exhibit booths, virtual exhibit booths coming back into play. And how I'm trying to sell them is as a full package. So it's not just an exhibit booth with what you get within the exhibit booth, which is very important, but it's also branding, other marketing opportunities. Um, so it's not just about the booth. It's not just about that virtual real estate because I think I think the exhibit booth has been hard from a virtual standpoint, but can offer, has the capabilities to offer some great ROI. We just have to offer it in a way that makes sense for sponsors. And if it is like the one and only thing that they're putting all their money to, and they're putting all their hopes and dreams into that, that doesn't, depending on the event, doesn't always work, right? However, it can if we are able to create a bigger um, sponsorship opportunity for them, make it a little bit more, um, you know, well-rounded. So give them more opportunity. And the exhibit booth is one of the virtual exhibit booth is one of the components. So that's where I'm seeing I, I'm seeing the exhibit booth trend, but not kind of in and of itself, not as the main sponsor acti um, activation. Um, and so, yeah, from a selling perspective, um, it's really interesting because I will work with a group that I can't give away a digital opportunity. And then I will work with groups that are like, well, what's my digital opportunity? <laughs> you know, so really, it's very up in the air right now. Um, the hybrid sponsorships, people really want them um, do, and they, they want them if they make sense. They don't just want a, a hybrid opportunity. Um, and more times than not, they want an in-person and a virtual more so than the hybrid. So they want two different experiences. They want to, they want to play in the in-person. They want to play in the digital. So they have exposure in both areas. Nice. Actually, is that mapping to you? Is that how you're seeing it as you're looking at buying these and considering where to bring Miro into the world? Sure, of course. So I want to say that, you know, price is actually one of the last things I look at um, when evaluating sponsorship perspectives. Obviously, it's important, um, but I kind of look at it very tactile. I want to see the audience demographics, how it's going to back to our goals want to be able to post sales unfortunately, at the end of the day and so yep. being able being able to have the audience demographics of the historical information of who's attended the event you know even if it's anonymized company logos what percent is from an enterprise company what percent is decision makers how can we get our product into the face of people who can make a decision to purchase it because again it's tying back to the goals of what we're trying to do with the sponsorship so for for lead generation um, i'm also looking at 
the format, even the, the, the platform and the schedule. Oftentimes they won't have the schedule released, but even if it's a high level overview of the schedule, when do the attendees get to interact with us? Oftentimes I'll see events that are designed where there's no time designated for sponsors at all. And so we have to compete 100% with the content, 100% with big keynote speakers. What are the drivers that are bringing these people into our booth? Is it included in the initial package or is it an add-on? Is it a, you know, a push notification? Is it a rotating banner? What is pushing them to visit our booth? And do we actually have a booth or is it a static landing page? Because I make that differentiation because we need to have two-way engagement um, in order for it to be meaningful. Um, and that's how we're evaluating it. We need to be able to showcase our product, um, especially if we can't get into the overall conference agenda. We need to be able to show the value of our product to our attendees. Um, and so I think it's super important to look at it really critically um, for like what are the goals of the event. And then we'll look subsequently at branding, um, exposure, fun items that we can do. I will say as a event uh, manager who's evaluating sponsorships, I did appreciate one uh, company who actually offered the ability for us to customize um, some packages. They kind of left it open-ended. And obviously we can work on the price and see what would that cost if we wanted to do X. But I think, especially with virtual, there's no standard. We're still kind of reinventing the rule every single time. And as we transition back to hybrid, it's still going to be a lot of trial and error. And so I think these event organizers need to be a little bit more flexible because unless they have the historical data to back it up, I don't know if I want to buy an on-demand uh, breakout session because I've done that in the past and I need you to guarantee me or tell me historically that out of a 20,000 person conference, I will have, you know, 10% of the attendees attend, not 1%. I need to see the data to back up what I'm paying for because often it's hit or miss. Can I just say, I wish I, read, I, wish I could use the clapping component right now, especially because you said so many great points. But one of them is organizers need to understand that it is a different world for sponsors and they can't necessarily depend on all the sponsors of years past. I'm working on an on a group right now that has had a conference for the last like 12 years and it is very different sell this year than it was three years ago. And every sponsor, one, you know, anchor sponsors who have been there from the beginning are questioning. You know, again, to your point, Ashley, they want to know what is the agenda. They want to know, you know, how many, how much time do we have on the floor? Who's there? Where, what industry are they from? What level are they? Are they decision makers? I mean, they, the demographics are really important. And then the other thing that, you know, is kind of, again, that uh, I'll put it in the new shiny penny area is uh, data analytics. I mean, it, some of it's already been there, but I think organizations are, uh, clamoring for data around their sponsorship. And I think the digital, our two-year kind of digital era has, has um, pushed our in-person experience to have to look at how we drive uh, analytics to our sponsors. So you're, you're between those two answers, you're hitting almost all the top questions in the Q&A. Yeah. So let's go right to them. <laughs> I, I, want to, I want to piece me on here and actually with the first two questions, I'm going to come back to you and let's pull the data and it will, and it goes back to the beginning of your last answer. 
And it's our top question in votes as well, which is, uh, can and I'll just read the question. Can you give some examples of how you handle follow-ups with leads from an event? So lead follow-up, virtual and in-person. How is How are you handling in this day and age? Um, I'm working closely with our marketing ops teams to let them know when, how we receive these leads. Was it a pure opt-in list that we got? All registrants opted in to share their information. Those are pretty cold leads. So our sales team needs to have that context that we got 10,000 leads. Yay. But did they visit our booth? Couldn't tell you. Um, I love to be able to work on platforms where you do get that kind of granular um, data points. This person clicked on a white paper, which was talking about our pricing structure. This person attended a demo. Um, so obviously that we're kind of at mercy of what platform is being used and knowing up front. That's why I'm saying it's in, in extremely important to understand what you can get from the platform, what you can get from the the vendor or the, the company that's the, the sponsoring the event. Sometimes they won't give you that list, which is fine, but then you have to make a much more dedicated um, strategy to get people to your booth so you can collect that lead. So I think just discerning what type of leads these are. Um, did they request a follow-up? Did they select to contact us? Like, what type of lead is this? And following up with them, we always send up, you know, thank you for visiting our booth. Any pertinent information, I saw that you were interested in learning more about our integration with X, X company. Um, I think you would be valuable in attending an uh, event that we have coming up, again, having a post-event after the actual event um, as kind of a main CTA to learn more, especially if you didn't get that real face time with them to actually then show them the product. The booth is the, is the next popular question. I want to stay with you on this. Is And the question is, um, how receptive are sponsors? So putting your sponsor hat on, and then Meg will be curious on yours. We'll, we'll start with Ashley. How receptive are sponsors to having, having two booths, having the in-person and the virtual booth? as you're considering these, where you activate, where you show up? Um, I think sponsors are receptive. Uh, it does require more manpower on both ends, both you know their tech team having to deal with any technical issues for the virtual platform, but thus also being in person with like an actual vendor and then vice versa for um, us. Like if they're happening concurrently, I can't possibly be in both places at the same time. Um, so I've seen it where, again, to Meg's point, they do put an emphasis on one or the other. Um, and so it would be more of a static, land static landing page, not two-way engagement virtually. And then you actually get the face-to-face -face time, which is, you know, really important. And I would love to double down on because it's been a few, few years since we got to touch, touch base with some of these people in person. Yeah. And then Meg, similar deal. You're seeing the same. Go light on, it sounds like where Ash is going. It's light on digital booths, heavy on the in-person booth for all those challenges. Is that It is. Uh, it is. And I would say that even if there, someone is going, you know, really robust in the in-person or really robust in, in, the, in the virtual, I think the name of the game now for sponsors is offering organizations, offering an easy opportunity. So turnkey booths. You know, that type of thing. Or like Ashley brought up earlier, like the checklist on what you can get on your virtual platform, because it's a lot of organizations are struggling with resources. And I don't mean money. I mean, staffing. And so if the easier that we can make it for them, 
the uh, better experience they'll have. So I see that a lot. And I'm trying to create prospectuses that speak to that. We had a, because we're coming in the last couple of minutes. So I'm going to, a couple, couple, we're going to try to squeeze a couple of these questions and watching our, uh, our backstage crew here is like chiming in, but let's try to get a couple. We had a couple questions all dancing around the uh, pricing side. So in our last two minutes, um, before we throw it back to Dev, in our last two minutes, Meg, pricing. How are you pricing online, in person? Any tips or? Yeah, it, there's no silver bullet here, right? It really depends on a couple variables. Um, depending on the group, it can be if you're having an in-person and virtual, depending what you're offering in virtual, if you're offering a full virtual experience, then you may only want to give them a slight discount of your in what you would spend or price in person. But if you're only offering, you know, maybe a streaming keynote and some, you know, pre-recorded breakouts, then it's, you know, I would do 75, 50%. But again, it depends on the, it's hard to say that because every group, you know, you may get a really good group that wants to go virtual and they'll pay whatever. But I'm, I, but that's a tough one. I don't see that happening very often. Mm. Actually, you had a line a couple answers ago. You started with, you're not, you personally are price oriented. You're looking at the output. I just want you to go back to that. Say, say, like, I don't have a question. I'm just curious as we're talking price on Meg's side, like when you are considering the price tag on these, it sounds like it's in the mix, but it's fourth or fifth on your list right now. It is in the mix. Um, we, you know, you want to go big or go home at these sponsorships. Um, that's our kind of perspective. Um, one thing in terms of price that I kind of correlate, again, it it could really just depend on the event. There was a sponsorship opportunity where we just we paid it because we knew that this was a key event that we had to be at. And so then the money became intangible. Like it didn't really correlate to participating whether or not. Um, Another thing that I take mindful of is how many other sponsorships or sponsor packages are there? I've attended an event where there's been 60 plus sponsors for a purely virtual event. That is a lot to compete with on top of the actual content. And so are we going to get eyeballs to even, it's great that, you know, this particular company has millions and millions of followers, but in the grand scheme of things, how, what's the traffic driver that's getting people to our booth? What's the UX of getting people to our booth to actually be able to tap into that audience? Um, if there's not mechanisms to justify it, just because a company has millions of followers doesn't really justify the cost. Um, it, I think the organizers need to think a little bit more on, as a partnership, how can we help each other in really hearing the feedback um, and iterating on different perspectives even after an event's concluded. Yeah. And actually that's what I'm saying. You, you know, to just have a virtual booth in and of itself, it, if the organization is not willing to offer the passive them, you know, passive data that they collect, uh, it's really hard to do an ROI when you're in a big space. It's hard. It's complex. All right. So we're about to bring them back on here and, and get everybody out of here on time. Um, I think you can come on. Is Dev coming in? This is the fun of virtual. I can't look, look back at house. Be like, Here he comes up the steps. Um, all right. While he's coming, while he's coming on, I'm going to give you in a word, a surprise question for you both. Um, in a word, how are you feeling about the next six months? Excited. Ashley. 
I would say anxious. Uh -huh. If I had a word to merge or two, I would say that word because I'm right there, ex anxiously excited. Dev, take it away. Awesome. No, I, uh, I really appreciate all the words of wisdom today. And I hope that all of you have as well. Uh, I think my biggest takeaway is, you know, you really see the flexibility and the myriad of options that are available um, to each of you when you're considering how you build your own prospectuses, as well as kind of when you're evaluating those third-party opportunities, whether it's field marketing, whether it's industry events or other types of programs. But one thing is for certain, it is really time for all of us as event professionals to think differently uh, and really rebuild those sponsorship frameworks. Uh, I do want to thank Brett, Brent and Ashley and Meg for providing you know us with these great tips and best practices and some of the things that they're talking about on a regular basis and how they sort of screen their own programs moving forward. Um, and really, I hope that you take a lot of these, these sort of wisdom uh, snippets and be able to use them for your own uh, sort of strategizing and team discussions moving forward. Um, you know, one thing at Bizbo that we're really trying to do is revolutionize the virtual experience as well as bridge that hybrid gap, especially around engagement. So, you know, the fun doesn't really stop here as well from today on. And we really want you to continue that sort of visit journey that you're taking with us today. We'd love to have a conversation with you and connect you to some of our experiential leaders within Bizabo and talk about how you're curating sponsorships and how you can leverage a lot of digital tools and tactics to further uh, drive and increase that event ROI. Check out our Bizabo blog and so many other resources on our social platforms from Twitter to LinkedIn and just so much more. But really just want to give a big shout out to all of you today for taking the time to invest and learn more about sponsorship programs and these trends in market. Have a great one. Wow, what a great conversation. So lively and fascinating. Thank you, Devin, Ashley, Meg, and Brent for joining us on Event Experience. And thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on social and feel free to share the show with your colleagues and friends. We'd also really appreciate it if you could subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. On behalf of the team, thank you. We'll see you next time for another episode of Event Experience. Thank you.